Welcome to Forecast, the foreshadow podcast, seeking glimpses of heaven on earth through conversations about people's life and work. I'm Josh Seligman, the editor of Foreshadow. I'm really excited today on our second episode to welcome John Seligman, a music teacher at Casillas Elementary School in Chula Vista, California. He holds a BA in music composition from Point Loma Nazarene University and an MA in teaching from the same university. And he is also my brother, so a very special guest. So welcome, John. Thank you. And uh, just, the, just for the record, I don't think anyone's really gonna care, but it is actually a B-Muse in composition. A B-Muse? Okay. Yeah, B-Muse. It's a little bit different. I mean, it's like, it makes no big difference in the end. But if anyone is curious, it is a B-Muse. Thank you, thank you. That's, that's helpful to know. I'm, I'm tempted to begin this over, but we'll keep it. And I feel like bemused is I feel like bemused is a word as well to be bemused. But that's that. you and your puns. You and your puns. <laughs> Anywho. So um, the the reason that I've asked John to uh, to speak with us today, um, in addition to him being my brother, is because of an event that he organized that seems to me very meaningful. In 2019, he put together a tribute concert at his school for the passing of a beloved teacher, Mr. Sison. And I've been drawn to the tribute concert because of how it was motivated out of his deep friendship for this teacher and a desire to help his school to grieve his passing. As Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. So I, I wonder how might grieving give a glimpse of the kingdom of God? So John, uh, I know this is a, yeah, this is quite a heavy topic, but can you start out by telling us about Mr. Sison? Yeah, sure, definitely. Um, so I'm currently teaching at my school site for this is my sixth year now. Um, when I first started, um, First person I actually interacted with was Mr. Siasan. <laughs> it was funny. Um, I was looking for just a I was looking for a custodian, and I just didn't know who to talk to. And I went to Mr. Siasan as soon as he was because he was wearing very informal garb, whatnot. And he said, "Oh no, uh, you're looking for someone else." Um, and I feel like that approach or that beginning was kind of the beginning of our friendship, whatnot, um, because. As much as Mr. Sison cared about kids' growth, about professionalism, about like he was also at a core a very like, just common person. And I don't mean common in the most derogatory, actually in the most, if anything, uplifting, because he related with people in such a way. He related with people in a very a great way. He, mm -hmm. um, so Mr. Sison taught at Casillas for 16 years. And he was a staple of our community for a long time. Um, he had helped with the girls basketball team. He led it, he was a coach for the football team, um, bringing them into like, like we were known for our sports and he was a big part of that. But sports is just one facet. He just, he brought kids up. Um, who I, Cause you know, as a music teacher, you see students from 
kindergarten all the way to sixth grade. And whenever I saw certain students that were more difficult to work with, when they went into Mr. Cisan's class, they became different people. And it wasn't because, you know, he whipped them into shape. It was more so because he raised them up. He, and that was his, it was, it was just his mantra per se. Something, not something he ever said, but that was what he, you could visually see. He was a per, someone that wrote, like, raised people up. It wasn't about him. It was never about him. It was always about the kids. And also it was always about the, the coworkers as well. Um, after my first awkward interaction with him, like he definitely like just kind of took me under his wing. Um, I was in, he was a Filipino. And so like um, in Tagalog, uh, there's a term called kuya and kuya means older brother. And I always saw him as a kuya. I always saw him as someone who just, uh, even though I was a, a young kid who had no experience whatsoever, he like saw something in me enough to try to bolster me into the teacher I am currently. So. Uh, placed me in positions. He nominated me for teacher of the year a couple times. Like, like it was wow. just, that was his, that was his idea. Just help people out, make this community better and don't do it in a frou-frou way. And that's what I was bringing back earlier in that, um, in that bit with like the whole garb, like he wasn't someone that tried to mm-hmm. like impress anyone. It was always about how can we make this community better? Mm-hmm. Um, so when he passed away in 2018, um, it was a huge blow to our community. Um, but I, I'm kind of deviating away from your question. That's okay, but no, go ahead. it's all interconnected. Um, so the week after his passing, um, parents, former students and former parents led this, this vigil. Um, and it was led by the parents. It wasn't led by the coworkers, wasn't led by this, this, the district, not by the union. It was by the parents. And, um, You could see like there were hundreds of people there in a last minute effort hundreds of people at this event from students I, I had last year to students currently to also students that were in college students that had passed in college and you could just see in that in this just this glimpse like of an evening that was created in a spur of a moment you could see just the impact that he had. And one thing that was also meaningful is that um, Mr. Sison's mom and also Mr. Sison's siblings, they knew he had an impact, but for them to see how many people were there were was, was mind blowing for them. Mm. Um, and it just it just kind of contextualized everything for them. His job wasn't just helping kids out as a teacher. His job was really he he formed a community, and that night was definitely um, a vertical slice into that, if I may. Mm. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what what then trip? What inspired your organizing the tribute it, it seems like it was about a year later perhaps was it or uh, what what led into that idea to, to do another it was the, tribute to him for him it was the same school year mind you okay. um it was it was uh, it, so he passed away in the fall of 2018 okay. i had the concert in the spring of 19 so it was the same school year same kids um but something that i noticed 
after his passing, after the vigil, after the funeral, a month later, um, month later, it was, I was talking with a staff member and like, we were just chatting a little bit and she says, yeah, this, this staff member said, yeah, it, it's, it's hard, but we have to move on. And so I saw as, you know, as after, after the big events that happened and once we had, came into ordinary time, if I may, um, though not the church Commodore, ordinary time must be uh, specific there. Um, afterwards, I just saw that the mentality was that we have to move on. And, and to an extent, yes, I, I completely agree. There is something we can't be latched onto the sadness of what happened, but I felt it was rather unhappy. I had a feeling this how this was being pushed along was a little rushed, for okay. lack of a better term. And again, also if you think about sixth graders, um, the kids that had Mr. Seesaw, first off, they looked they looked up to him. Like a lot of kids were really um, looking forward to having him as their teacher because oh. they heard so many good things about him. Mm-hmm. And the thing was, so we had a um, school psychologist come to our school site, mm. um, new ones, like just, just to help out. I, if anyone wanted to talk with a uh, school psychologist, be it a student or a staff member, um, we had people, extra people and extra hands. And I went, um, I know a lot of kids went, I know a lot of teachers went as well, but I was talking with one of the sixth grade teachers, one of his friends, and um, I was told that not a single one of his students went. Not a single one of his students, that one of his kids went to see a professional, or went to see someone that could parse out their emotions. And I was thinking just like, when you're in sixth grade, that's here, you're supposed to be like the adults of elementary school. You're the big kids. And like, I, I, part of me wonders like, first off, like dealing with death, like, I, I don't think I had to deal with death until um, probably when Lola passed away. That was the closest mm-hmm. that happened, which was like back in 2010, 2009. Yeah, I, think I was already yeah. an adult by then. Mm-hmm. I was already uh, in college. And these are sixth graders. These are 11, uh, 11 year olds. These are 12 year olds, most 11. Yeah. And like, and heck, how do you process that? And to talk to a, an adult was like, uh, like that shows weakness. And you know when you're 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 a kid, but also you're supposed to be as I mentioned earlier, you're supposed to be the big kids, and it's just this this weird element I'm guessing. And so none of them had a moment to process. And um, I want to clarify: you said a tribute concert. It wasn't so much a tribute concert; it was one song. Even though inadvertently, a lot of the songs were kind of tribute songs to him. We chose to sing um, Man in the Mirror by uh, Michael Jackson, which was one of his favorite songs. Um, there are other stuff as well, but um, the, the song I talk about in the article is specifically one song. And I felt the need to do it because these kids didn't have any outlet to grieve. They were grieving, but they had no healthy outlet to grieve. And what better way than music? What better way than, an emo- like, uh, than the arts, which allows people to, I think about um, John Foreman, a musician from San Diego. He talks about how uh, music allows him to say things um, that he can't say. 
allow, it gives him space to share ideas that he can't say. And I thought, same thing can happen with grief. And if these kids can't be, if the kids, kids don't have the vocabulary to be able to express themselves in grief, maybe music is the best option. And so there was a song um, called by Sleeping, the group Sleeping At Last called um, Saturn. And I came across a song a while back, uh, actually a year back, but um, I remember distinctly I was driving uh, from my house to work and that song came up and I just, every single word was as if it was written to Mr. Seesaw. It's like, we have to do this. So as you were teaching that song to the, the children that would be performing it and singing it, what were the reactions to that? Um, I'm sure, I, I imagine you explained your motivation behind that. Um, what, yeah, what, what did they think about what they were doing or, and how did they, through the rehearsal process, how did they react to that? It was hard. <laughs> it was hard. Um, I remember I first showed them and I knew it was going to be a difficult situation. I, I had um, another music teacher kind of observing me at the time. Um, and thankfully that person was there because, uh, so I, I was at the end of the choir, uh, choir um, one day, I forget what day it was, I think it was December or something, January or something, somewhere in the winter time. And I said, okay, well, um, I, I decided to show them the music video and the music video is like, just does, a, uh, it does a great job of just not just like sharing the words, but evoking the wonder of the song. And also just, just to contextualize the song, um, uh, the lyrics, I think it'd be good for our listeners to, to like know the lyrics at least, just to, so pull this up. Um, as I'm pulling this up. Uh, so yeah, I was showing this to students and I just said, hey, I want to do, I think it would be very good to do a song dedicated to Mr. Seesaw. Um, I know a lot of the, uh, us are grieving and still are grieving, um, but this one is a heavy one. And so I then played the music video and like, I was mostly just watching the video for the most part. Um, I should have had my eyes on the kids, but I was mostly watching the video just because again, it's a very captivating video. I turn around and everyone's just like broken. Um, okay, my internet's not working too well, so I'll just recite whatever. <laughs> uh, the lyrics go, you taught me the courage of stars before you left. How life, how life carries on, you, how life carries on endlessly even after death. With shortness of breath, you explain the infinite. How rare and beautiful it truly is to even exist. I couldn't help but ask to, for you to say it all again. I tried to write it down, but I, but I didn't have a pen. I'd give anything to hear you say it one more time. How the universe was made to be seen, to, just to be seen by my eyes.
And I don't think the kids caught every single word, but the, the, the emotion that Ryan O'Neill from Sleeping Last sings, it was just, the kids knew. The kids knew this is for Mr. Cison. And yeah, it was really hard. And um, I I just then kind of just did a whole, like everyone said, we sit around like, okay, this is not, this concert is not for me. This is your, just as much of your concert as it is anyone else's. And I want to let, ask you guys, do you feel comfortable with singing this song? And anyone who doesn't, you're welcome to not perform this song and that's okay. Um, and I understand that when people say, like when most people say yes, I'm sure the minorities didn't feel comfortable opting out. And I, I, I would want to do something different next time I, I, I tried to do this, but everyone was definitely all in. Um, there were kids during rehearsals who asked if they could, if they could step out and that was fine. I wanted them to have that space. But one thing that I tried to do to make sure that it wasn't utterly heavy for these kids is we talked about good memories of Mr. Cison. We talked about moments that we remembered. And most of these kids, unfortunately, never had him. But we, I, the cool thing about, um, about choir is that I allow people who are no, kids who are no longer my students to come in. So I had some, some former students walk in. They sat in. They shared some stories as well. And yeah, so that was my way of trying to lighten the situation. Also us singing okay. different songs as well to try to lighten the situation as well. Mm. But um, I, I, it was important for to allow room for space, allow room for pacing, allow room to not just think about the performance, but also to think about the kids' uh, well-being as well. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, so yeah. That's powerful. Thank you for, for explaining that and reciting the lyrics. They're, those are very powerful lyrics. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Another, if I also, one other thing that we did, um, there was, um, so I, the, the pedagogy I subscribe to <laughs> for music education is an ORF style. And so I have, I'm now level three trained ORF. And um, that's to those who don't know anything about ORF, ORF is just a um, music, musical, uh, an approach to, towards teaching music that is much more elemental as opposed to just reading notes, learning how to read notation. It's much more, how do we experience the music? How do we dance the music? That's a big part of it as well. How do we sing the music? And it's a great way of just teaching kids, not just how to read notes and read the grammar of music, but also to, to um, experience it um, the way it was meant to be experienced for lack of a better term. That's my, that's my elevator pitch for that. Anywho, when I was having my ORF level one um, training, um, one of my, one of the other students, like adult students that was being uh, trained, um, I believe it was her mother that passed away. And so she could, uh, she had to leave. And she, unfortunately, um, she wasn't able to be trained that year. But that Friday, when we all heard about the news, um, my my instructor, Dave Thaxton, who teaches music over, over in Nevada, he asked if we could spend a moment um, kind of just in solidarity with our fellow classmate, our fellow music educator. And so he had this, I, he had these glow in the dark, not glow in the dark, these light up orbs um, that were um, like a diffused light. And it was like, and so he gave us all orbs and he played this music. I wish I remember what song it was, but it was a very just, Sent, not sentimental. It was very like, it was instrumental, and 
essentially he asked us to, he turned off all the lights and we all turned on the orbs. And he asked us to just move the orbs in any fashion that we feel would be appropriate as we mm-hmm. sit in solidarity with our friends, uh, our friends' mother's passing. Okay. Um, and that inspired me to also utilize that for the concert. Okay. So in the very beginning, it's there is this instrumental part where strings perform. I asked former students of Mr. Seesaw actually to perform uh, violin, viola, and cello for this a piece. And like the first minute and a half is just strings. And so instead of having the kids just sit there <laughs> while they perform, yeah, I had them. Yeah. Um, had these orbs and they moved around in any fashion. And as I, I gave them a cue for them to go back onto the choir risers, but it was now, I I asked the kids, I told the kids like, imagine this is your, this is your thoughts. This is your, this is your prayer towards Mr. Cison. Imagine this is, and I just move based, based on what you feel would be appropriate if you were trying to give a, I use the word prayer, but that was how I was feeling because I teach at a public school and stuff. But like, how would you give a prayer to Mr. Cison? And so um, that was another element of the performance as well. Yes. Uh, yeah, I can imagine, I can kind of just imagine the setting um, and using different senses to engage in the, in the music and in the message. You mentioned that it's a public school. So uh, and and so be, talking about prayer and talking about um, death and life after death, as you quoted in the song, are often things that um, in the U.S. public schools that's not usually talked about. Um, did you res- have any kind of um, pushback at all, or any kind of questions about the what you were doing, or how how did people how did people react to that, or yeah, how did they react to that? Well, there's many facets I could tackle. I feel like, well, first off, to go to your topic of like prayer and such, um, this is topics of prayer, topics of injustice, topics of all the things like being an educator, it's really difficult because we have this mentality that education is neutral, that what we teach ought to be neutral. But everything is everything's political. Everything we do is political. The fact you have public education, that is political in of itself. The t- fact that we teach um, we teach anything has a spiritual element. And so my, the, the, over the past six years, something that I've been trying to garner towards is that if I, I try to be equitable, I try to also not just, even, the, I'm, even though I am a Christian myself, um, it is important for all people to be empathetic to all walks of life, be it religious differences, be it racial differences, be it haven't had, haven't had this, but also orientation differences. Like I try to like, allow that this world, whether or not you like, we need to be empathetic toward it, towards different people. And so um, if, the top when I, I remember no one asked me about the prayer aspect per se but like there's another song that was like you know, we were singing like a, a christmas song uh in, in in christmas we were singing a song that was based off silent night and like the song like was like a little bit unsure about that and i said i said well we're also singing a, a, a hanukkah piece as well we're singing all these different elements and like your my job isn't to tell you what to believe my job is to make sure that you 
or spiritually believe, <laughs> I should be, <laughs> I should clarify. But my job is to make sure that you at least are empathetic towards people who have di different values. And so, yes, we are singing a Christian song. Yes, we are singing a Jewish song as well. Yes, we're singing, and there's just different folk songs as well. And so, like, I, it's it's always interesting, and I still haven't created, I have still haven't formed my full, fully fledged philosophy. But the notion that education is neutral is a it's a farce. And I think it's important instead of us to try to cling towards that, we need to create brave spaces where people can share their walks of life in a space where they won't be shamed, they won't be attacked. Um, and that's for all different walks of life. And so that we can just become better people in general. Um, so Thank you. that was one aspect. Yeah. Okay. That was that's one one element of question. Your other element is like as far as parent responses. No, no. Uh, pa parent. I didn't ask about parents' responses. No. Okay. Okay. No, but um, well, but if you want to if you want to share that, feel free. But what but but really what you're saying, um. I think, th thank you for answering that because I, that wasn't one of the questions that I had um told you I was going to ask, uh. So that was a bit on the spot there, but I. I think grief is a universal emotion and and the language of this song maybe not everyone um, could fully agree with but I think that um, just from what I've heard about it and read about the, the song it seems that you you at least your goal was to create a space for people to to grieve uh, to give them a language through which to do that um, even if the exact words aren't what they would normally use, give, to, give, to give them some kind of channel or a, an opening that they might not otherwise have um, without the song. So, so did that? Did you see that happening? Uh, what effect did you see the song having on the school community after, you know, during and after the performance? Sadly, I cannot tell what impact. Yeah, that's this had on difficult. students. Okay. Um, I mean, to begin with, grief is uh, something that we don't teach our kids. Um, like even adults, we don't teach them. <laughs> like I think about how our Western society deals with death. We like, place them in a box and place them underground. Like I know that's more for like, you know, optimizational, you know, reasons. Even though, well, actually, that's a different topic for another time. But, but it, how we deal with death is very like it's very much we want to put it away. We want to not not deal with it. It's 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 a loss. And so, the more we think about it, the more we just become captivated by it. That's at least that's the mentality we think about. But in the same sense, like it's important for us to acknowledge it. And so. Unfortunately, yeah, I, I don't know what direct or well, what long-term impact this song had. I can tell you was I can tell you a few things. It was very hard for the kids. I can tell you that some kids they want. Oh, sorry, one student in particular the next year, even though she wasn't a student of Mr. C's song, like she, she asked that we could sing him again and said that was that was a one-time deal. Sorry, um, but but it also, showed that one it, thing it made I, an impact on her. At least for that student, yes. And also, I think about. I told you that the students in Mr. Cson. They didn't see. They, they, they there was a lot of. 
there was a lot of just, I, I don't know the right word I'm looking for. It was just a cobweb or not even cobweb, like an inner entanglement of what am I supposed to do with this? I remember one student who's in choir. Um, she had a lot of guilt about his death, kind of attaching something that she said to him, not in a bad way, but something she said to him. And that was the last thing that she said to him. Uh -huh. And wow. it was like something that wasn't, it wasn't, it was, if I remember correctly, it's something to do with like uns, uncertainty with academics. And like, and she actually saying like, this is the last thing I told Mr. Seesaw. And like, and so like, there was a lot of that. And like, but one thing I noticed, one thing I do know, like, even though I can't, you know, get into their brains, I'm not going to ask them. Cause if I ask them, that's, you know, that's gonna, that affects things, whatnot. The whole, yeah. like, yeah. don't think about pink elephants. Like you're going to think about pink elephants. Like, and so, one thing I did notice is that after that performance, similar to that, my first showing of the song, um, looking out in the crowd and I saw, I remember one student in particular, she, um, student that has a very brave face, like a lot, but she was crying, something I'd never seen from her. And I don't know what kind of long-term impact that made on her, but, it made an impact of some sort. And hopefully that seed can be yeah. nurtured in other ways later on. Um, but I won't know. I can tell you though, for parents though, like some people who have more vocabulary that can, they can express their emotions. Uh, one of my coworkers whose uh, kids are in choir, I could, she was there and she just said, thank you so much. She said, thank you so much. Like this, we, we needed this and whatnot. Um, Mr. Cisan's mom and um sister yes mom and sister were there and they were deeply appreciated that sister said that um she there there were several events that commemorated mr season because again he made such an impact not just on my school but um the district wide district wide yeah. mm -hmm. and so like, there were several events and she said this was the only event i actually cried for and so not not including the funeral okay. but like just okay. outside of that and so um what long-term effects, I'm not sure. Um, but there was also one quote, and I don't know um, how accurate it is, but uh, a, a parent told me later on that uh, a sixth grader says, I, this is a song, I don't feel great when I sing it, but it's a song that needs to be sung. Hmm. And she wasn't a student of Mr. Seesaw, but she was of the same grade. She was a sixth grader. so. Um, so again, like, I, it's hard. It's like, I, and even now, like these kids now are like what eighth graders, I think. And I, I still, maybe they, maybe they have a better vocabulary sense, but like, I, I don't know where they're at, but yeah. Um, I do know <laughs> there was one parent that was a little, like, uh, a little bit, um, there, there was a younger sister of a choir member. She came up and said like, Hey, my parents want to talk to you. So great. <laughs> <laughs> and I came up and then the mom kind of said, oh, no, it, we didn't want to talk. It was like I, saying Cison Seligman, it wasn't, we, weren't meant to, we weren't looking to talk to you. And part of me wonders, part of me wonders if the father wasn't ha too happy. The mother kind of said, let's just let it be. This is all speculation. This is all speculation on the record. So, but like part of me wonders that like, the father wasn't too happy with how 
gut wrenching this song was. Okay. You know, I didn't I didn't fully prepare the community what okay. to what extent. I did say they were doing a tribute song to uh, Mr. C song. Okay. And but um, but if I was to share the details, then that would <laughs> that would alter the experience of the performance. Okay. So like, but yeah. So I, I part of me wonders if one of the parents wasn't so happy with it, and the other parent was like, let's let's just let let's not make a big fuss about it. I don't know. I don't know. Um, on the whole, though, on the whole, did you, what what would you say was the response from the parents to you, to the song? They were thankful. They were thankful. On the whole, they were thankful. On the whole, um, despite the fact that I'm not sure what the students did, uh, thought, the parents seemed to be very appreciative of it or acknowledge at least the importance of it. Um, even though it's hard to uh, see your kids cry on stage. Um, there was a lot of that um but they were appreciative of if not the gesture they were appreciative of the allowance of grief at least. yeah 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 and, and, and I, I, I gave it a little i had the students also give a little preamble about it as well They're not just saying this is a sad song let's watch your kids cry now <laughs> it was uh it, it was i, I had the, uh, one student um have a little speech before the song just to prep that this is for us to not sit in grief, but for us to remember Mr. Cisan for who he was. Yeah, and thinking about the lyrics of the song too, it's um, it's not. It sounds like it's not about the past as much as uh, taking it forward. Is our our love for your your love for him, the community's love for him, um, still endures, and and he endures. His memory endures. And that love that you have for him endures, and so, so uh, yeah. I, from it's a, um, it doesn't sound to me like um, anything that's stuck in the past, but but that it was, it was helping helping the community to to um, to address their grief, but also to move forward, not moving away and letting go of the memory or forgetting him, but moving forward with him as well. And so yeah. you published an article this year in the American Center for Elemental Music and Movement. And so how did, and about this, this song and this experience with Mr. Sison and the students. So what did that pro uh, process of writing and then publishing teach you about the experience having had two years about two, two years, um, looking back, um, of perspective. It was more of a year, actually. It was published this year, but it was supposed to be published last year, but that was right before COVID hit. And so um, it was delayed. But it, at least I have several quotes in there from fellow um, just the community members, essentially. And it allowed Couple things allow me to process, even, even though I, I spent a lot of time on that one parent situation that could be nothing, but um, it, it allowed like me getting quotes from parents and such and community members allowed me to contextualize um, the impact this did make. Um, there is that. It also allowed me to contextualize 
when I'm when I'm working, it's it's very much just a go 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 situation. <laughs> um, that doesn't allow me. I, I should be someone that reflects more, but I'm constantly thinking about what's what's going to happen next. What's my what's my next project? And so this definitely allowed me to reflect upon um, key moments. Like reflect upon the purpose of this concert. Reflect upon um, the importance of music education. Um, also to reflect upon the importance of grief as well. Um, I wrote this article in, no, sorry, in December of, despite, despite the fact it was published this past March, um, I, sorry, this past March, I forget. Uh, um, what was published? I think, I think <laughs> I January. January, you're right, you're right. We're, we're not even March yet. Uh, well, at least when we're recording this. Um, but yeah, and so despite the fact it was published this January, I wrote this, as I mentioned already, in the in December of 2019, and COVID had not hit yet, mm. at least not in the West. Um, okay. It was definitely, you know, you definitely saw signs of it, but um, it was not nearly what it was, what it is now. Um, and I think about when I was editing it so that it would be released a second time. Well, not a second time, released for the January release date. Um, we were already in the middle of COVID. Okay. Um, and I, I wrote a little bit of a, like a little bit of an author's note at the very end of it, just, be, just yes. to help like contextualize things yeah. or not. And if anything that you asked, what is the, what this article do for me? I think it helped me once again, recontextualize the importance of grief. Um, something that a lot of music educators did when uh, come March, that was when schools closed over in the West, at least I think all of the United States, but at least especially the West, um, West Coast was what I'm trying to say. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of teachers were in panic mode, understandably, but they didn't, but unfortunately um, on the East Coast, schools opened up again and it didn't allow them to have time to grieve. Um, we had a workshop, myself and two other friends over in Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania Music Educators Association, PMEA. Uh, we did an online workshop and one in my segment was just focusing on the importance of grief. And I think writing that article helped contextualize that grief is important and it's not something we should expedite. It's not something that we should we shouldn't be, the West focuses so much on productivity that it's kind of like a bad thing because we focus on how can we be productive, but we're, uh, us being humans, we need time to process our emotions. And so when COVID hit and when COVID, we, and when teachers, especially on the East Coast, were teaching in person again, like they didn't have that time to grieve, but it's important no matter what is going on in our life that we give ourselves and we dedicate ourselves time to sit with the discomfort to sit with, with whatever has happened, the sadness of, be it COVID, be it a loss of a family member or a friend and process it and give us time to process. It. And unfortunately processing takes it. Uh, there are different speeds that everyone takes different time to process grief. And truth be told, no one ever, I think ever gets over grief. Um, I, for, I remember when our, our mom was talking about when um, our grandmother passed away. She was sharing how it, things are getting better, but it's never gone. 
And I think also about something else uh, about this diagram um, when someone's talking about grief, it, um, it's kind of like you have this box and you have a ball bouncing around the box and this button is the pain <laughs> you feel in grief. And what, during the early stages of grief, your, your box is so small. And so that button is being hit a lot and a lot. As time passes on, the box gets bigger. And so the, the percentage of that button being hit decreases more and more, but that button is always there. And I think understanding that and respecting it and allowing ourselves to sit in it um, allows us to be healthier people. So before we, we close our, our uh, conversation, um, are there any, any questions that I didn't ask you that I should have asked you or that you think is still lingering and anything that's still lingering um, that should be, should be addressed in this conversation? Well, you didn't ask how I'm doing. <laughs> you don't know, listeners know what he asked earlier before we started recording. Um, any questions that you didn't hit on? Well, that's a broad question. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I, I think I've shared this narrative a lot over the past couple months because of that article and because things have been flowing. Um, as this podcast attempts to see snapshots of the, sorry, this, can you, can you recap the, the, uh, the mission statement of, of foreshadow? Forecast, well, my bad. Of, okay, well, maybe it's a good idea also to talk about foreshadow too, because that's the bigger context. But so foreshadow publishes writing and other media that points to the kingdom mm -hmm. of God. And forecast is a podcast under foreshadow or coming from foreshadow that um, seeks to offer glimpses of heaven on earth or seeks glimpses of heaven on earth through conversations with people about their life and their work. So, so yeah, so in, in, this, in this context of what we're describing with, what, with the song is what I hear is the song that you're performing um, it, it, it helped people to grieve and to, to yeah, to, to mourn the loss of Mr. Sison and also to, to, to hold their love for him and, and not to put it aside, but to continue in their love for him and their memory of him as they go on. As, as Christians, we believe that, that death is not the end, that, um, that God is making all things new and we have this hope of the resurrection that, um, and that our love for people, that their memory is not ended even in death, but that through Christ's love, um, he's working to make all things new and, to, and for those of us who, who die in him, will have eternal life in him. And, and so the, this, this song that you that you led the students in um, just very much is in line with that because it's pointing to that, that coming age in which, which we will, we have the hope of, of life. And, um, 
and so so throughout the ages christians have um have shared offered their love to those who had passed away um and experienced that they're not that 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 they're not gone that that mm -hmm. um just as jesus said um that God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He is the God of the living, not of the dead. And so those who are asleep are actually in some mysterious way are alive in God. And, and, and so this, this, the reason, so that's the reason why I wanted to speak with you about yeah. this was because this song and this, and as I'm learning more about it, this, um, this experience has um, pointed to that hope and and even if someone doesn't believe in that, in that hope, they can at least there's that universal uh, language of grief and the love that they have for and have had for Mr. Sison, that this this song enabled them to express, and 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 hopefully from what you're saying too, in that expression, in that honesty, um, perhaps helped them to heal as well. Because um, because mourning uh, is is a painful thing. It's it's it seems that, um, but 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 in the same time, Jesus says that blessed are those who mourn, and so it is. And that's partly been my question that's been guiding this conversation is, where was the blessing through the mourning that that you did? So if I can if I can ask that question to you, did you? If there was a blessing, where was the blessing and the comfort that came through the morning? Sure thing. Um, I'm going to be answering this in my typical uh, long path version. <laughs> so listeners, hold on to your seats. Um, I think one of the biggest issues with at least, at least the American church um, aggregately is that we try to look, our language is constantly looking at heaven. And don't get me wrong, I'm not someone who says heaven is a terrible place. I'm saying that we focus so much on the good that whenever any trial, whenever any issue comes up, we would say, would say this is a this is something to, tw towards the kingdom of heaven. This is something like always looking towards the positive. And it gets into this very bad sense of toxic positivity where people constantly say um whenever someone's grieving oh at least it isn't as bad or yes but he's like they're in a better place like that's not stuff that you tell people they're grieving these are real emotions that are dealing with real people and i find it a failing of the modern western church i only say western because that's the one i exist in that we try to expedite sorrow we try to constantly uh, we try to always talk about easter morning without re recognizing the fact that saturday and friday happened that darkness covered the earth that jesus died and now i, I think it's important that we don't expedite that the goal, for lack of a better term, we don't try to shoot for it. We don't always look, we shouldn't always be looking for the light. Uh, or, or saying that the light only is is like what we latch onto because we exist in darkness. We exist in this fallen state. And um, it's important for us to recognize that. And I think 
I could have just sang with the students happy songs. I could have just sang with the students Man in the Mirror. Mr. C. Sonnell loved that song. That was that's a fun song. But allowing the community to listen, allowing the community to sing Saturn, which is which does reside in the darkness, despite the fact that it looks towards and it remembers the good things about it, despite the fact it does it does acknowledge it acknowledges the sorrow and definitely the, the even though the lyrics is looking forward, the singing is in this state of sadness with hope. And by doing that, it allowed people to come together. It allowed people to recognize that I'm not in this sadness alone. And I think that's probably the biggest thing. If we expedite the good, we are going to miss the communal. Those kids would not have come in, former students would not have come into my classroom to share their narrative about Mr. Cison if it wasn't for the fact that we didn't, we weren't seeing Saturn. People were able to see a more fully fleshed community that we all were suffering together. And I think we as Christians need to do a better job at allowing us to recognize the grief so that we can understand that us as a church are grieving together. Because whenever we try to expedite it, whenever we try to speed up sadness, we essentially create the church within our own individual four walls, as opposed to reaching out and leaning on the community. We try to say, I can get out of this sadness on my own strength, but that's not the Christian way. The Christian way, the stories of an acts, stories of the early church, people leaned on one another. And I think it's important for us to see that, recognize that, and, and find ways to evoke grief and sadness together so that we, we as a church can become stronger. Not again, and making it's a fine line. Like, I feel like sometimes, oh, we're gonna sing a sad, a song of sadness, so that we can become stronger. That's not, that's not the goal. The song is to make sure that everyone rec it has it has the space to sing songs of grief, and in turn, good things can happen. But the the goal is not that good things will happen. The goal is to allow people to safely evoke their their sadness. Yes, um, I think of two, two stories. You mentioned the book of Acts and one of the stories comes from there, but the other stories in the gospels, from what you're saying, I, I just think of um, the first one that comes to mind is when the disciples had learned that Jesus had died and before he had risen again, they were grieving. Um, some of them, it seemed alone, but, but, but when we read about them, they're together when, when they're um, hearing the, the news that Jesus has risen. And, and so that's the first thing I think of when you, what you're saying that um, in their grief, they were still together. Um, but then the second story is, comes in the, in the book of Acts, um, just thinking of uh, Dorcas the, uh, or Tabitha. And she, she had made, um, I think it was certain kinds of uh, fabrics that she sold and gave money to the poor. And when she died, everyone was crying and they were mourning because of the life that she had um, lived, such a beautiful life. And in some ways, maybe reminding me of what, how you described Mr. Sison, how much he gave to other people. And um, it wasn't tangible like fabric, but uh, it was through his bond with people, his encouragement, it sounds like his boosting the, them. 
Um, and so his loss, just like the Christians, when Dorcas died, they, they, um, they, they, they were weeping. And even though th by that point they had the hope of the resurrection um, and, and they, they knew that they, that they knew that they believed that Christ had risen again and there was hope for Dorcas that they would see her again. But even then they, we see them mourning. And, and of course, even Jesus, um, he himself knew that he could raise Lazarus and would raise Lazarus, but he still takes that time to weep when Mary and Martha tell him that his friend has died. And I think that's what I hear you saying is that somehow we can't skip the, the weeping, that, um, that we, have to, we have to take that time to weep just as Jesus wept. Um, because maybe in that weeping, uh, as you say, we, we weep together and we, we find that community and in a mysterious way, perhaps we also weep with Christ in his weeping um, because he too mourns for all who, who die and fall asleep, um, just as he, we saw him mourn for Lazarus. And, and there's something in that, that perhaps, as you say, community, there's communion in, in our mourning. And so, so thank you for... So, what I hear you, how you, what I hear you saying in answer to my question is, you you did see that blessing and that comfort that came through mourning, and that was because you were mourning in communion with with other people. Well, John, thank you for taking the time to speak with me today about such a heavy but important and timely topic as grief. And I just want to wish you all the best in your teaching this year. I, it sounds really difficult under the situation that we're under and I, we God haven't is. talked about it, um, but I wish you all the best. And I know you have such a, uh, a love for your students and for your fellow coworkers and for what you do. And so also I, I want to wish your school community um, just, just, uh, you know, a, a good year, as good a year as can be had this year um, in, in the circumstances. And as you um, walk and carry on from the grief of losing Mr. Sison, of the other things that you're grieving through COVID, um, just wish you love and um, through that uh, process. Thank you. Appreciate that. And thanks for having me. Yes, we'll have to have you again if you, if you, can, if you can do that. Sounds good. Foreshadow is an online magazine featuring writing and other media that points to the kingdom of God. Our website is foreshadowmagazine.com. And if you like anything that you read or if you liked the conversation that I was having today with John, please do share this with your family, friends, or anyone that you think would be interested in this. So thanks for listening, and that's the forecast for today.